So today, as I said, we come to the end of this series reflecting on these Amen statements of Jesus recorded so amazingly in John's Gospel. These statements, these Amen, Amen, or truly I tell you, or verily I say, these are moments in Jesus' ministry on earth when he wanted his followers to understand that what he was saying in that moment was important. Now, clearly everything that Jesus has to say is important. But there's a sense here that these things that Jesus was speaking about in these moments were, were super important for the people that were listening to them in that moment. And the wonderful thing about the words of Jesus is that they are still super important today. They really are timeless words. They've been spoken to millions of people across the nations and across generations. And these super important words that Jesus has been speaking are for you today. These amen, amen statements that we've looked at, these very truly I tell you, the person Jesus is telling is you. This morning I want to spend just a little time looking at the, this short passage at the end of John's Gospel. And then I want us to reflect through the last eight weeks and the different statements we've considered and just take time to remind ourselves exactly what it is God's been saying to us. The passage that we have this morning, the verily, verily, the truly, truly statement comes right at the end of it and it's quite an uncomfortable truth that Jesus shares with Peter. Because what he's telling him is something about how he's going to die. Now, I'm not sure that's something we all really want to hear from anybody. Probably not from Jesus. But there's an importance in it because what comes from this and what comes around this passage is is a fact that God in Jesus is, is speaking to Peter about the reality of his life, the, the, the guarantee of his destination on this earth, but the total commitment that God has to Peter. When we read about the encounters that people have with Jesus after his resurrection, one of the things that comes through over and over again, I think, is that we find G Jesus eager and committed to fixing what is broken. And let me be clear, what is broken has been broken by people and communities and by authorities. We're talking about the brokenness of Jesus being betrayed and condemned and put to death. The blame and the guilt for what has happened rests and should rest wholly upon the shoulders of those who participated actively and passively in that torture and crucifixion of Jesus. The breaking is at our hands. But Jesus takes that blame and that guilt upon himself. And when he walks out of that tomb and death is defeated, what he wants to do is restore relationships and rebuild fellowship. And that's what we see happen as Jesus 
meets with people, gathers with people, encounters them, that he goes about fixing what is broken. This passage particularly focuses on how he fixes Peter's perhaps inner thinking. Peter's, I think, focusing on what he's done and how he's let Jesus down. And yet in that moment, what Jesus does is he fixes perfectly and beautifully Peter. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 14 and 50, it tells us this, that, that when Jesus was arrested in the garden, everyone deserted him and fled. That's the context in which Jesus goes about trying to heal things, trying to fix things. After all this has happened to him, he is alive and he's seeking out the very people that deserted him and fled. Not to get even, not to put things right in the way we might go about it, but because he wants to fix things. And what is it he says to those people that abandoned him? In John's Gospel, chapter 20, he says this to Mary, Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. The message to the people that deserted and fled from Jesus in that day is, you are my brothers, and my Father is your Father, my God is your God. Instantly, the very first thing that Jesus speaks is, we are still together. We are still family. We are still united. And then when he finds the apostles... We're told that he stands among them and he says, peace be with you. He shows them his hands and his side, the reminders of the love for them that he has and what it cost him. And he says again, peace be with you. The words that Jesus speaks to the people that let him down is not, look what you did to me, is not how are you feeling now, it's peace be with you. Not shame, peace. Jesus says, I forgive you. I take you back. I, I'm going to trust you with the mission that God sent me on. In John 20, we read, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus says, everything's fixed in me. Everything's made whole and perfect in me. In our passage to Peter three times, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Do you love me? And to each of the positive answers that Peter gives, Jesus says, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep feed my sheep. In that moment on that beach, Jesus says to Peter, it's okay. I know what you did. I know how you're feeling. Everything's fine. I've not given up on you, Peter. And you are going to be a shepherd of my sheep. What Jesus did in those days when he walked 
on this earth after his resurrection was repair the damage that had been done by us, by people. He sought out the people that let him down, the people that walked away, the people that denied ever knowing that Jesus, who Jesus was, and he reached out with love and forgiveness and restoration and recommissioning. And he put right what was broken. There wasn't time for any recriminations or blame-laying or score-settling. I think guess is a huge lesson for us in that as we seek to imitate Jesus. There are moments in our lives when we have to fix relationships. How often do we begin those conversations with, well, I just want you to know how much you hurt me. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't go through any of that. He just says, I love you. It's okay. Jesus wanted them to know, everyone that he met, that what had happened was exactly what needed to happen, that it was part of God's plan. On the cross, he spoke these words. He said, it is done. It is finished. And now, when he's speaking to Peter, he demonstrates the truth of that in the words that he uses. To the man who had denied him, to a denied knowing who Jesus was, he says, it's finished, follow me. That's done. It's all done. Follow me. And that's the invitation that Jesus shares over and over again. Follow me, he says to Peter. But not just to Peter, that's what he's been saying for countless years, to you and to me, follow me. Whatever you've done, it's okay. Follow me. Whatever you've left undone, it's okay. Follow me. Whatever you've said, it doesn't matter now. Follow me. Whatever you haven't said, it's okay. It's fixed. Follow me. No matter how far you've travelled away from God, no matter if you think you've given up on him completely, let him down, offended him, forgotten him, follow me. Take heart in this truth that God in Jesus is just as eager to repair things with each one of us as he was with Peter that day and with those others that he met. These words... Hear them, take them to heart because they're intended for you. Follow me, says Jesus. Within them, Jesus is inviting you to receive renewal and relief and restoration from whatever you think has been getting in the way. With them, Jesus invites you to turn away from your past or even your present or even what you were planning for your future, and to walk tall into that future, knowing that God has prepared it for you and he's prepared eternal life for you. It is finished, says Jesus. Follow me, he says. 
break into the daily cycles of our lives when all seems well with us and with the world when our yoke is easy and the burden light break in lord and scatter our complacency break in lord break into the daily cycle of our lives when we are comfortable and at ease when the fire is lit but eyes are closed break in lord and ch challenge our dependencies break in lord break in when defenses are down with an angel shout or a quietest word break in lord break in break into our daily lives and create in us humble hearts that we can receive your forgiveness and your invitation to follow break in lord amen i just want to give you an opportunity to reflect on these these verily, verily, truly, truly, amen, amen statements. I just want to go through them and remind you of what it is that Jesus said, this is important. Get this. Hear this. Hold on to it. In week one, we began the series right at the beginning of John's Gospel where we read about how Jesus invited Nathaniel to do what? Follow him. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Come and follow me, says Jesus, and see heaven. The following week, we listened in on Jesus' nighttime conversation with Nicodemus. We heard again the beautiful truth of God's perfect plan for us said, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Poor old Nicodemus struggled with that. And Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's a promise, not just to Nicodemus, but to you. Eternal life. We moved on and found ourselves at the sheep pool, at Bethesda pool, and, and we heard Jesus' own words about his relationship with the Father and the authority with which he could speak. He said, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Do you see a pattern here? Eternal life. This is God's promise, eternal life for you. Follow me, trust me. By the shores of Lake Galilee, we read how Jesus challenges those who just follow him looking for nothing more than material, temporary satisfaction. When what he is offering them is of such value that there is nothing that can compare. Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. 
you're hungry and you want to be fed, he said, well, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In Jerusalem, during the Passover festival, we listened to Jesus' response to those who said that they wanted to see him. His words challenged them and us to think carefully about what it really means to see Jesus and what it means to follow him. Very, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. In John chapter 13, we reflected on what it means to love. To love those who we find it hard to love. And we read of Jesus' humble act of love and his words on servanthood. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do. And last week we considered what Jesus has to say about this eternal life that he promises us. About the joy that nobody can take away. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. And so we come to the end of this series with those promises, those words of Jesus hopefully ringing in our ears and hiding themselves, well, maybe not hiding, but fixing themselves in our heads and in our hearts. And as we prepare ourselves to gather at the communion table, we take the time to reflect on these two short word statements that Jesus makes. It is finished. Follow me.